Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be discussing two-player games. And then in the discussion topic, we are actually going to be talking about two-player games, but games that are not actually designed just for two players. Games that are designed for more than two players, but we would actually prefer to play them at two-player. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or games that just play really good at two. Yeah. Games that play well at two, but not specifically geared towards two players. Yep. Why don't we get into it? What, are you, what have you been playing? Well, first up, I we play Battleline, right? We play that at Origins. I taught both you and Jeremy. It reminded me how much fun this game is and how much I like it. I was like, yeah, let's play it again. Play it again. Yeah, for sure. Because yep. it's a quick one. So this is a two-player only head-to-head card game with some um, roots in poker, like the the rules and stuff are kind of poker style. It's designed by Reiner Knizia. Art is by Roland McDonald, Roger McGowan, and Mark Samotnich. Although the art's pretty bad. It's uh. not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's published by GMT Games. So in this game, players are trying to capture five of the nine flags or three in a row. The flags are placed in the middle of the two players, and each player places one card on, on their turn on their side of any one of the flags. Each set of cards in front of each flag is called a formation. Once one of the flags has three cards in front of it, the highest, or once one of the flags has three cards on each side of it, the highest formation wins the flag. The formations are one poker style, so a royal flush is the highest, then three of a kind, then a flush, then three of the same color, then the highest cumulative value. If there's ever a tie, then the first player to create the formation takes it. There are also some tactic cards that you can choose to draw that let you manipulate the cards or act as a wild card, but the trick is you can never play more than one um, more than one more than your opponent. So you don't want to draw them if your opponent isn't playing any. What makes this game so good is the tension and the struggle every single turn about what card to play and where. There is also a rule in the game that if you can prove the other player can't beat you, you can claim that flag right away. And that prevents the other player from adding cards to that formation at all. So it kind of holds those cards they were saving in, in their hand. So you can say there's no way to beat me because you need the yellow three to win and it's already been played. Now, you may have the yellow three in your hand and you know that they can't win it, but if the card hasn't been played, you can't declare the win. So you want to get that yellow three out on the board in in, uh, order to prove that they can't win that flag before they go and play a tactic card that really does let them win the trick because tactic cards are not factored in by declaring the win. Uh, I love how this game is just filled with so much tension. Yeah, I think the idea of proving that you can't win Mm -hmm. is such a unique concept, specifically for me, because I often talk about like dirtling in games where you're just kind of playing cards that you know are safe in certain locations and just waiting, buying your time as long as you can to waiting for your opponent to make a decision that you can react to. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it eliminates the ability to do that. When you say, all right, this trick, I you cannot win this trick. Or you cannot, I'm sorry, not trick. You cannot win this. Formation. You cannot win this formation. Well, now that eliminates a spot where I can just throw a card because I know I'm I'm probably not winning it anyway. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll just throw a card and say, well, I'm not going to win it, but I also don't want to react to anything on the board yet. I want more information. Yeah. You want to buy your time. Yeah. Exactly. And And when you prove that, it eliminates that completely. But those tactic cards, maybe you can't win it. But you also want to prove it fast enough mm-hmm. because sometimes those tactic cards say treat this card as any value or treat this card as 
a 789 of any color. You declare the color. You declare what this card is. So there are moments or you can steal cards from an opponent's side. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely this incredibly dynamic back and forth tension between you and the other player. Mm-hmm. Specifically with the tactic cards too, because you, you said you can't play more than one that the other players played. So if the player has played zero, you can only play one. Yep. But if you play the one, now that other player has an opportunity to play two. But if they only play one, you can't play another one. So you have a hand size of seven cards, Mm -hmm. but you don't want it being clogged up with a tactic card that you can't play. Right, right. You don't want it in your hand. Yeah. It's just taking up empty space that you'll never be able to play Mm -hmm. it. Because if another player is like, I'm only going to play the one, Uh and then you have one in your hand that's just now your hand size is decreased by one, which is not good. Mm -hmm. And if you have that tactic card in your hand that lets you use it as any wild card, that's great, but there's only there's only a handful of tactic cards. There's maybe like 10 or something, and there's only one that's truly a wild. And so if you've got like three formations that you're all waiting on that one card to win it, you're like, I want to hold on to this tactic card to wait till that see if that card comes up. But if it's getting close where they can prove you can't win it, you got to put that down so you, you can claim that flag. Otherwise, they're going to win it. There's been a moment in this game where I knew I won a flag mm-hmm. based on a card I had in my hand. And I was just thinking to myself, I need to play this card. Yeah. I need to play this card, but I might sacrifice another flag in order to prove that this flag is mine. Mm -hmm. And it's such a unique thing. Like, do I wait? But if I wait, she has a tactic card. She could potentially win it. I need to, I need to play this card. And maybe you, and the thing is you win by either having five total flags or three in a row. Mm -hmm. So maybe you sacrifice a flag on the outskirts in hopes that you can get three in a row. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a fun back and forth two player game. Yeah, and you start off with this hand of seven cards. You have no idea what to play because you probably don't have any like three good sets in a row and where everyone's playing. So at the beginning, it's just kind of like you're just playing a card, hoping you'll get something good to go with it. It's it's just so the whole game is tension, 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 and I love tension games. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of tension in this game. I I wonder if some of it is you get lucky in this game. Sure. So there are moments where tactically you can make good moves but still lose flags. I I think because Mm -hmm. of how many flags there are out there, I don't necessarily, I think the average out is just fine. But every now and again, you're just, you're, you're hoping for a card. When it comes so when it comes to the royal flush, yes. If you're gonna go for three in a row of the same color, yeah, you're relying on the luck of the draw. Usually there's two out of the, the whole up to ten you know, ten cards. You either need like if you've got a six and a seven out there, you need the eight or the five. You know, so that comes down to just random luck, but you take that into consideration when you're doing that. When you're playing a royal flush, what are the chances I'm gonna get this card that I need? Or should I go for three of a kind? Because that's the second highest and it's a lot easier to get three of a kind than a royal flush. So yes, yes, there's luck of the draw, but I think it's really more strategy than luck. Yes, I would say there's probably, if I could get a percentage, maybe 15, 10, 15% luck based. The rest is all strategy on how you play. Yeah. I would say. For sure. And it's, it's helpful to get those right away if you can get a good solid, you know, flush or or set right away you know you're you've got it already and you can play it so there is a little bit but yeah i think it's heavy strategy there are moments when you could lose a flag just based on the luck of a draw i would say there are moments when that it's can possible. happen yeah it can happen so that that just a caveat for anyone who's going to play the game 
there are moments when that could potentially be a thing. I don't think it's necessarily bad, mm-hmm. you know? Because that's where all the tension is. Like, am I going to, I need to hold out because if I draw that card, I'm, you know, but at one point you've got to play those cards in hopes that you're just going to get something. So you want to play ones that you have a chance. You don't want to play the, you know, eight, nine, knowing when the um seven is already out there. So the only one card you need is a 10, you know, that's high risk. So you are waiting for the luck of the draw. That's on you. I think at that point. Yeah, there's like I said, there's definitely a probability. You're trying to play the probability game in which you're trying to set yourself up to have the most in poker outs Mm -hmm. that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But there are times where we played a game and I was waiting on a card. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. If I get this card, I win. If I don't, I lose. And I drew the card and I won. Mm -hmm. That Like at the end of the game? Yeah, that was not necessarily me playing strategically. That was me just like having to get lucky at the end. But overall, the entire game, I wouldn't be in a, have been in a position to win if I hadn't been playing well up until that point. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah, there's there's sense. a little bit of luck, but not nothing terrible. I it's the right amount. And the, it plays really quick. It's one of those games that you get out and you play like three or four times in a row. Yeah, pretty much. I would agree with that. I think it's my favorite of all of these two-player games. Battleline's my favorite. I would rate it a 9 out of 10. What about you? I'm going to give it an eight. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too bad that it's so dang ugly. <laughs> they they made a, they made, so that was the like Roman version. There's like a medieval version. That's the, is, is that the shot? No, that's not medieval. Shot in time is Scotland. Thing. Yeah. Either way, they're not, yeah, they're not, they're not great looking games. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. You don't buy them for the beauty. No, you certainly don't. But I still recommend this game. Um, looking, uh, recommend it to anybody who's looking for a good two player game that you want to just play over and over again. That's Battleline. Next up, I want to talk about Targi, which is a two-player worker placement game uh, designed by Andreas Steger, art by Tara Atsiku and Franz Bohwinkel, uh, published by Cosmos. In this game, players are Tuareg tribe leaders trading goods like dates, salt, and pepper in order to obtain gold and enlarge their family. They do this by placing workers on an outside grid and taking corresponding actions. In order to set this game up, players are going to need to create a perimeter around the board, which consists of 16 cards. They are placed in order from 1 to 16 and represent the rounds in the game. Next, the players will create an inner 5x5 grid of good cards, which give you goods, and tribe cards that score you points. Each player will have three workers that they can place in each round. They are placed on one of the border cards, but there are restrictions, so players can't place their workers across from an opponent's worker. They can't place multiple workers on the same card, and they can't place them on a card with the robber. The robber is a gray worker that advances around the board, and this is basically the round marker. After players have placed their workers, then they check to see which of the cards in the center do do their workers intersect. So they draw imaginary lines from their workers, and when they intersect, they place a marker on that inner card. They now have access to that card. If it's a good card, you get goods. If it's a tribe card, you have the option to purchase it. After purchasing a tribe card, players will place it in a 3x4 grid in front of them. How they place them is actually important because you can gain extra bonus points. Uh, The tribe cards have different icons on them, so players are trying to collect matching sets. So if you have a row with four identical icons on them, you're going to score four additional points. If you have a row with four different symbols, you're going to score two additional points. For the most part, the action spaces around the board are going to provide you goods or ways to trade goods for different ones. Whenever the robber reaches a corner card, there's a raid, and that usually means players are going to have to give up goods or some sort of victory points. 
I think what makes this game special is how well it works as a two player game. And the biggest thing is that intersecting of workers. Mm -hmm. So you create this five by five grid, like I said, and you have both good cards and tribe cards. So as they intersect and you take those cards and you either take the goods or build the tribe card, it gets replaced with a opposite card. So if you took goods, you replace it with a tribe card. So that inner five by five grids constantly evolving, which makes picking the spaces around the outside of the board, around the outside, around the outside, makes it that much more interesting because you don't, maybe you don't want to go to that spot again because you don't care about those cards in that row. Mm-hmm. So maybe you you know you don't put your worker on that particular card this turn. You want to maybe pick something else, and then the robber restricts where you can put your workers round and round and round. Yeah, it definitely feels tight for being only a two player game. Quite a bit more tight than you would think. That you, yeah, that a typical worker placement with at two player really is mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. There's it becomes less and less choices. Some of the the more lucrative spots get taken up really quick, and then you have only a couple options left. You have to follow those rules. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it can it can definitely be tight with where you're placing your workers. That said, there's also with the goods, there's date, salt, and pepper, and then there's gold. Gold is such a difficult commodity to come by in this game that you almost have to take advantage of when you have opportunities to get it. Mm-hmm. What was there, like two gold cards in the whole game? There's not many. Mm-hmm. There, there might be a couple, yeah, I would say. And you could trade three res- three of the same resources for gold, but that was hard to do too, you know? It can be difficult accu- accumulating gold. And a lot of those tribe cards, you need to uh, pay goods including gold. So it can be kind of tough. It was fun. It- I think it's definitely the meatiest of all these two-player games. I would say so. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's got, there's a lot of strategy, a lot of decision, but also there's a lot to learn with the game. Like, um, you know, intentionally blocking your opponent from going into a spot. You know, maybe you wouldn't be able to get the gold, but at least you can block them so that the gold stays out there and you can try to get it next round. I think over time, so I just played it the one time, I just gotten it, and I think there's a lot to dive into this game and a lot to learn about it. My, I think my biggest issue with this particular game, which, I don't know, maybe I'll be the pot calling the kettle black a little bit, is there are certain spots that are way better to go to first. Mm-hmm. For example, there's a spot called the caravan spot where you take the top of the goods pile, you flip it over, you get whatever's there. Mm-hmm. So you can get lucky sometimes and get gold. Sometimes you'll just get goods, whatever it happens to be. But more often than not, that tends to be the spot people go to first, mm-hmm. which, you know, we talked about Voyages of Marco Polo, the camel spot. Yeah, I don't like obvious first player spots. Do you think the caravan spot is an obvious first move spot? Not necessarily because they are just goods card, right? The same good cards that are out there on the board. Sure. So they're not better than them, but it could be. You know, it's kind of, I guess it's more fun, right? Because you're like, oh, what am I going to get? Maybe I'll get gold. And for me, it's the ability of chance of what am I going to, what am I going to get? I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see. We'll flip a card and see. Oh, I got one victory point. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I think you like that spot a lot. If you're planning for a certain move, it's probably not, you know, because you don't know what you're going to get. So not necessarily. Yeah. And there's times where even being first player, I won't necessarily go there because I'm trying to fight for a card in the center. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like in this game. This game feels like you're fighting for the cards in the center. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not very mean, 
surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, I don't consider this a mean game because no. you're blocking, but that's almost that like back and forth nature of things. So I don't necessarily, a lot of games like this would be mean. I don't think this one is. No, because you both want the same spot. You're you're trying to take it because you want it, not because you're trying to hurt your opponent. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I liked it. It felt, it did feel a little bit dated. I think the artwork is kind of dated on it. It's pretty bland looking. Well, it's the older version too. So there's a newer version. I don't know if the artwork is better. Probably not. I don't know. It it feels a little dated. I think as far as like a really good two-player worker placement game, it's really, really good. I understand why people say it's so good. But also it, it wasn't terribly fun either. You know, there wasn't too much that was exciting about it or there wasn't a lot of tension. You know, maybe if I got better at the game, it would be a little bit better because then I have a little bit more strategy and sure. planning going yep. into it, you know? Yep. What would you rate the game? Hmm. I would rate it a seven, having only played it one time. Yeah, I've played this game uh, quite a few times. My wife and I have played this game a decent amount. And I, I too, am going to give it a seven. When I first got it, it was probably higher up for me mm-hmm. and it's kind of gone down a little bit it does the worker placement really well i feel like games coming out today that are worker placement do two-player worker placement well mm-hmm. there's not as much of okay worker placement game we need to make sure we have at least three people i think there's i think the industry is self-corrected in that way making things still good at two at two-player count mm-hmm so something like this is not necessarily as novel, but I enjoy it. I think it's good. If you like worker placement games and you generally have two player, you generally have a lot of two player games, I would recommend this game for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fun to be had and it's not just worker placement, but that whole intersecting is kind of cool. Yep. If you don't mind, like I would, I would call it a dry Euro. Yes. And I think it's gotten a lot of praise because it was so good for its time. But now looking back, I I think it's still really good and it holds itself well, but there are other games out there that are just as good, but more fun and maybe prettier looking that I don't think that this is necessarily one that you need to go out and and seek out and make sure you play. Sure. Like it was, you know, maybe five years ago or so. Yeah, I would agree with that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that is Targi. All right. Next up, Lost Cities. It's another two player only set collection card game designed by Reiner Knizia. This art is by Vincent Dutre, published by Cosmos Games. In this game, players are going on an archaeological expedition to different sites represented by the colored suits of cards and trying to earn the most points. On your turn, you can play a card into the matching expedition or discard a card to the center of the table, and then you draw another card from the draw deck or the discarded cards at the center of the table. At the end of the game, you add up the value of each card in your expedition to get your score. However, every expedition you start loses you 20 points. So you want to make sure you earn at least 20 points on each expedition that you're going to start. Here's the twist. You can only play cards in each expedition that are higher than the previous card played. So you want to start the blue expedition because you have blue 8 and 10, but you don't want to play those cards yet because you need to get at least one more blue card out there um, that you need to play first. There are also these handshake cards, and those can only be played first and they double your score for that expedition. However, if you don't get at least 20 points, you're only doubling your negative score. What makes this game so filled with, you know, tension that I love is the decision about when to start playing your high cards. If you wait too long, you'll run out of time and you'll lose even more points. But if you wait, maybe you'll draw finally draw that 
blue four or five that will need that you need to get those few extra points. Yeah, this game definitely has that back and forth tension. I can see why you like it. Uh-huh. It feels in some ways similar to like a battle line where you're playing to these different things. I will say the theme is not there. That no, I mean this game is themeless. Mm-hmm. But that does not make it a bad game. It's definitely a good game. There's definitely that tension. There's the opportunity. Again, like I said before, dirtling. It's uh-huh. kinda there you have the ability to instead of playing a card to one of the expeditions, you can take the card and set it on top. It gives access to your opponent to take that card, but mm-hmm. it also prevents you from stopping and kind of shifting, you know, sifting through that deck until you find the types of cards you want to get in order to start playing. Yeah, it buys you time to you draw exactly. your cards. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. This one does it in a really cool, fun, I would say fast way. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be played pretty fast. For me, I have less AP in this game than, let's say, Battleline, if we're going to compare them real quick. Yeah. Battleline, I have AP like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. This game feels more just kind of... Well, this is the best card I got. Or I don't have... I can't play any of these, so I'll just throw away a card I don't I I know you can't use because you already started blue so I'll throw away this blue too yeah there's I don't want to say less decisions but there's less you're not competing you are but you aren't mm-hmm. you're competing for the highest score total that's it right you're not necessarily trying to win each site mm-hmm. so there's definitely a there's a different feeling of tension in this game than in battle line yeah um, I think it's prettier than um Battleline for sure. I mean, it's Vincent Dutrait. The, you know, his artwork is mm-hmm. so good. The only thing I don't like about it is the cards are like bigger than playing cards. And so when you shuffle them up, they're a little soft. And so they're they're not as fun to shuffle up because they're bigger and softer. That's your complaint is they don't you don't like how they shuffle? Mm-hmm. Shuffling is a is a big joy for me playing card games. You know I love to shuffle. I yeah, shuffle. you always. Yeah, you, anytime you have an opportunity to shuffle, you take the cards and shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of opinions about the way the cards are shaped and the the material they're made out of and stuff. And I I didn't like these cards. I bought a used copy and I played the heck out of it. So they probably got really soft over time. You know. Yep. But it's because they're bigger, so they don't. They, you can't um you know shuffle them very well. Can't riffle shuffle. Riffle shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can you can boring shuffle, but. That's why you don't like sleeve cards is the shuffling. Oh, 100%. I can't stand sleeve cards. can't stand sleeves. I can't stand sleeves at all. At all, in any little bit. You can't see the appeals to sleeving cards. No, I don't want The joy of a worn out card, I love worn out cards. They're the best. Unless they're the soft ones that, you know, they're like getting really soft. But even then, if they're worn out that much, that's because I love them. They tell a story of how how much use they got. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're loved, and I love worn cards. Yeah. Well loved, well loved cards. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my only complaint. But other than that, I, th- I think it's pretty. Like, yeah, the theme is not there. Neither, you know, same as Battleline. Like, whatever, just most points. But it's still like they're prettier to look at because the art's nice. Yeah, it's definitely a fun. It's a fun two player game. These two these two player games. There's a lot that have come out, mm-hmm. and I think this one still. Still does a good job. It doesn't I, I, feel dated. Not like not something like Target. I agree with Target. It might it might feel a little old at this point, but this game doesn't. Yeah, I would rate this game a seven. I think uh, Target has a little bit more strategy than this this game than Lost Cities, but Lost Cities is more beautiful, quick. You know, it's easy to pick up. You can teach it to somebody and play it right away, and they don't feel like they have to play it again to to grasp it. You know, 
Although they certainly want to play it again because they'll be like, oh, I started too many expeditions. I need to play it again and do better. I am also going to give it a seven. I think it's a good game. I think if there was more back and forth tension, like a battle line, Mm -hmm. I would like it more. If I was wanting to play a two-player game and not necessarily have that. Not feel stressed out. Well, in that the feeling of competing hardcore with somebody, battle line makes me feel like I'm against you. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Lost Cities feels like I'm trying to beat you doing my own thing. Yeah. If that makes sense? Yeah. You know, there's still decisions about do you want to put cards out in the center for your opponent to grab? Do you not want to do that? There's a timing aspect because as soon as the deck runs out, game's done. There's still that tension, but it's not as hard fought of a victory as something like Battle Line. Yeah. I think that there's tension there, but maybe not, not angst, you know? Sure. If you're looking for a good two-player game, it's quick, it's fun, easy to teach, you want to play over and over. You don't mind shuffling big giant cards. As Lost long as they're City. not soft. Lost Cities will be the game for you. Next up, we are going to talk about Seven Wonders Duel. This is a two-player drafting game designed by Antoine Boza and Bruno Cathala, art by Miguel Coimbra, and published by Repost Productions. In this game, players are leading civilizations and will construct buildings and wonders. They do this by drafting cards from a display of cards. This game as it suggests, is re-implement Seven Wonders, but for two players. The good two-player version. <laughs> yeah. At the start of the game, players will have four different wonders that they will have access to building. For the most part, this game will, will have cards very similar to regular Seven Wonders. So brown cards are going to be resource generators. Blue cards are going to be straight points. Green are science cards. Red is going to equate to military. And yellow are still commerce. It is important to note that the game could end in one of three ways. The first is by military, so there's this military track set up between the two players, and as you acquire military cards, you will be moving a pawn closer towards your opponent. If it ever reaches the end of the track, the game's going to end, and whoever has moved that pawn there will win. There's also a way to win via science, so there's seven unique science symbols in the game. Uh, If a player ever acquires six different symbols, they win. And the last way to win is to play through all three eras, and then whoever has the most points will win. So the way this game approaches drafting is by generating a display of cards. And what they're going to do is going to be overlapping each other. However, some cards are going to be face up and some are going to be face down. In order to flip and reveal the face down card, players will have to draft all the cards that are overlapping the face down card. So players will have information, but a lot of it's going to be hidden. On a player's turn, they're going to take a card and either do one of three things, play it into their tableau, discard it for coins, or use it to build one of their wonders. I think what makes this game clever is how it approaches the drafting. Mm -hmm. So you often find yourself needing a card, but it's also the last card on top of a face down card, and you don't want to draft it because Uh you don't want to reveal it and have it be something good for your opponent. Yeah. Like you don't want to have an opponent have five science symbols draft a card they flip it and it's the sixth one they need yeah exactly like most of the time it doesn't really matter but if they're close to winning either the battle or the science then you're like i can't i can't do it because they might take it and then win the game there's nothing i can do to stop this game does fall into a cadence like any sort of drafting game like an azul or anything along those lines mm-hmm. where it's obviously back and forth so at some point that player can be like, I'm not revealing that card because I can take these cards while he's, you know, my opponent's taking these cards. So my opponent's going to reveal it for me. So you can definitely work things out. Mm-hmm. The fact that some cards are up, some cards are down is so cool mm-hmm. and unique and 
it actually kind of surprises me. It took so long for somebody to figure that out to do it. Like, it just, I'm surprised we don't see more of it. Yeah, I would agree. That's to me that that's where a lot of the fun is. Is how much do you want that card? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can reveal that card because the thing is, let's say you reveal a military symbol, but they're not necessarily close to winning. There are repercussions to pushing that military pawn closer to your opponent mm-hmm. because you could end up having them discarding money, you know, currency in the game. So when they get to certain levels, your opponent needs to discard three coins or whatever. Well, that matters quite a bit in this game or it could matter quite a bit in this game. Yeah, I really like the three different win conditions. That's fun. Yeah, and and I never ever go for military. My husband knows that and he we played this game a lot together. And he would always beat me at military. Every time, every time it would always surprise me. I'm like, oh, I'll get another military card. But eventually not yet. You know, I don't waste my turn to get a military card. And all of a sudden he's way up there in the track. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing I can do to stop him. What it, what's your favorite way to win this game? Science, of course. I yeah, love me too. <laughs> Nobody guilty, ever lets me. <laughs> guilty is charged. There's just some, I don't know, because the science symbols are cool. Because if you, obviously, if you get six different ones, you win, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get two of the identical symbols, then you can get another science token. So they're fun. Yeah, you get little things. Yeah, little benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so, man, yeah, that's, I don't know. I've done military, though. Military is fun sometimes. You can get me in military because I don't like military. I never go for one five seven wonders. What is it about military in particular? You just don't like war? I, I, you're not no. a war, you're not a, not a leader of a war civilization? No, I don't mind that. That's fine. I don't <laughs> like going for something that you have to have the most of because then you're constantly trying to outcompete your opponent. Where science, you get the benefit regardless of what your opponents are doing. Like if you get to, you know, you get a benefit of it. It's more like that area control aspect. Yeah, it is. It's very much like area control. Like I put a cube out, you put a cube out. Now it's tight. Okay, I'll put another cube out. Oh, you put another cube out. It's like all this work. You have to, it's like on Sushi Go going for the, the um, pudding or the, the rolls, right? What are the maki rolls? Is that what they are? I don't remember. The only one, the, the only thing, ones. the only thing I remember from that game is the tempura, because <laughs> I like saying tempura. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just like, you know, I'm just gonna ignore that and try to get one or two, so I get a couple points in there. But I don't like that. Like you have to constantly be out doing your opponent, having more than your opponent in something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. But you gotta, but you gotta keep an eye on it because you can't let your opponent run away with it. They'll win before the end of the game. Well, and I think the devastating thing with military is losing that money because there, there's been times, especially if you're not paying attention and you're not necessarily generating money, you're going to be like, ooh, I want to buy that science, but I need six money in order to buy it because I need to buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they move the military and you lose three money and now you can't buy it anyway. Yeah. So then there's this, there's a lot of this back and forth. It feels just as meaty as Targi, but easier. I don't know. I shouldn't say easier to grasp because it's probably not. It probably just was easier for us because we played Seven Wonders, right? Well, if you if you know Seven Wonders, this game's going to probably come pretty naturally to you, right? The symbology is pretty similar. Same, yeah. That would be my biggest thing is the symbology in Seven Wonders kind of, it's, having played it, to me, it's fine. But to new players, I don't think it's necessarily as good as it could be. Yeah, it's, you know? a, it's, it's a little learning curve for sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you think this game is mean? No, I've never felt that. When I first played it, I thought it could be. Mm-hmm. just because you could hate draft but even then mm-hmm. you're just denying your opponent something yeah i think of mean is doing something that has no benefit to you it only hurts your opponent yes that's mean 
You know, but a game where somebody takes your spot or takes the card you want, that's not me. That's yeah. just they were first to get it. Well, even if they discard it for coin? Yeah. I mean, sure. But in a two-player game, like, I just... Games don't feel mean in a two-player game. Like, they do in, like, a three- or four-player game. Because when you... In a three- or four-player game, if you're targeting one person, you're targeting one out of three, you know? Sure, yeah. Whereas two, it's the whole point, is to beat that one person. Well, and you might hate draft a card and discard it for coin, but guess what? They're going to do the same thing to you in, like, a round... Or in a turn or two, Yeah, that's just... That's the game. Being strategy. Yeah, yeah, having strategy. Yeah. What would you rate this game? I rate it an eight out of ten. I give it a seven and a half. I like it. It's good. I think the problem I have with the game is I'm not going to teach new players the game because mm-hmm. it has that seven wonders in, in it. Unless and, they've played seven wonders, yeah. Correct. And I think you could argue the next gripe I have is I let it happen. But there have been times I've played the game and you set up the last round and a couple turns in, you're you're like, okay, I've lost. I've lost the science because there's a science card. Your opponent needs their sixth one. They already have five. And just the way the draft works by taking it, you can already spell out the next like six, seven turns and know they'll get it. Mm -hmm. As long as they draft the cards, like even they could even draft any card, but as long as they take that card when it comes up and they have the th- the means to buy it, that would be my only gripe is more up is every now and again that happens. I don't think I've ever played a game where somebody won my science. Really? Yeah. I th- I don't know. I don't remember. You've, you want to win by science and you've never won by science. Yeah. I'm not good at it. I usually win by points. Oh my goodness. I, it's yeah. I play a lot with my husband. So that's probably why I played, I think this game exclusively with him. And he goes military, so I have to fight military. It surprises me every time. I'm always thrown off. Like, it's always a big surprise. because you don't learn. You don't learn your lessons. Don't. <laughs> no, that, that would be my one thing is that's happened to me a couple times. But aside from that, I think the game's good. I think it approaches Seven Wonders in a good way for two players. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend this game. If you, if you love Seven Wonders and you want a good two-player version... This is it. The two-player mm-hmm. version in the legitimate Seven Wonders box kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. This one's good. So. I think I think even if you didn't like Seven Wonders, if you're willing to put the work into learning the iconography and stuff, I think you, it's still a standalone good game. Yeah, I would agree. So that is Seven Wonders Duel. All right. Last up, I have Jipur. So this is another two-player only set collection card game designed by Sebastian Pouchon. Art by Vincent Tutre again and Alexander Roche. Um, it's published by Gameworks. In this game, players are selling goods in the city of Jaipur, trying to earn the most money. They do this by buying, exchanging, and selling goods before the price drops. On your turn, you can take one good from the market, or you can take all of the camels. They get placed in front of you, not in your hand. Or you can take as many goods as you want, but then you have to replace them with either goods from your hand or the camels you have in front of you. The other option you have on your turn is to sell your goods. If you sell cards, you get to sell only one type of goods, and you receive as many chips for that good as there are the number of cards you sold. The chips' values decrease as the game progresses, so you want to sell first. On the other hand, you receive increasingly high rewards for selling three, four, five cards of the same good at a time, so you want to wait until you can get a set. And that is the heart and soul of this game and where all the tension is and what makes it so fun. Do you you sell it quickly to get the high-valued chip? Or do you hold on to it for the three, four, or five chip? That's a 
Good question. And I don't know if I've ever mastered the timing of this game. This game is about timing. Yes. And it is this back and forth struggle of when are you going to buy it? I've seen you've taken a bunch of rubies. Are you going to trade? Are you going to cash them in? Do I need to cash in my rubies first? But then if I do that, it's going to be worth a little bit less points, but maybe I should do that. Mm -hmm. You should definitely do it with the rubies because the first rubies were seven. First two are worth seven. The last ones are worth five. So yeah, go ahead and sell them. That's easy. (laughs) That's an easy decision. But that's that's the way you're thinking about all these goods. So Mm -hmm. goods are rated based on how how rare they are. Mm -hmm. So something like a ruby is going to be worth more points than what are the brown cards? I don't even know. Leather, spice, Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then there's gold. There's gold, uh, silver, and rubies. Listen. It may seem like I don't know this game. I do know this game. They're, they could be whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. The They're theme, colored. Yeah, the, they match the cards. The theme of this game is what it is. Uh-huh. But it's definitely a fun back and forth tension between the other player. There's definitely mm-hmm. you're competing for those point chips. What's nice is you play at least two rounds. Three. You play um, best out of two, two out of three wins. So if, right. you, if somebody wins two, then you're done. So- what what's nice is you can have you know an off round or you can you know maybe mess up with some of the timing but you still have the ability it's not like letting somebody claim all the rubies is necessarily going to make you lose mm-hmm. the game there's there's plenty of opportunities to i don't want to say mess up but make poor decisions but still be able to win overall sure you, you know? can you can go for those high valued goods just selling one or two you know scooping those up and grabbing those right away or you can work on the set collection. You're limited to seven cards in your hand. So you can't ha- go for two sets at a time. But I like the way you can draw one card or you can take all the cards you want. But you got to replace them with something else. Yeah, those camels are cool too. Really, having, really cool mechanic. Yeah, I like having those camels. Especially when you have a, a whole thing in front of you. Because if you have the most camels, you get some points. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want them, but you also, you're almost saving them for when you're like, ooh, I want, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to take a bunch of these real quick and just use, spend all these camels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but then when there's only, like, maybe there's only one card out there and you don't really want it, you take all the camels. You get to take all the camels. That's cool. Except for then, all of a sudden, you're you're replacing, all the cards are coming off the deck and you're replacing them. It's your partner's turn in there. And all of a sudden, there's two rubies that pop up, and they get them. I feel like so. that's what I do more often than not in this game. Like for whatever reason, I love having a bunch of camels, and I'll be like, "I'm taking camels," and then I'm like, "Sweet!" And then I get the, all the new cards come out, and I get all the ones I want. Yeah, don't it's, don't be me. It's really, really fun <laughs> game. It's I think it's the most beautiful of all the games. Yeah, I think it's got the best artwork. It looks good. It doesn't feel dated even now. Every time I play this game, I'm like, "Oh, this is really good. This is still holds up." Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's got a lot of decisions and a lot of strategy in it. It doesn't have a lot of different strategies in it. So you kind of play the same game a lot, but the way the cards come up, it feels different and refreshing every time. I feel like this is the game that when you're sitting down with somebody and you're having a conversation, just you know, general chit-chat or whatever, a lot of times when I play with my wife, her and I are kind of just talking, having you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And we're just playing. It's simple. It's not complex. You don't have to sit there and think about it. There's not very much tension, but still a lot of decisions. Every time I play it, I think I'm surprised at how much I like it. I kind of think, oh, it's kind of old. I'm getting sick of playing it. But then I play it and I'm like, oh, it's really good. It's one of those things that you you play a ton, then you set it on your shelf, and then you go back to it and you play it a ton again. Yeah. It feels like, yeah. There's an app. I don't know. if Have you played the app yet? No. 
it's kind of ugly. It's not that great looking, but it's pretty good and it's got a campaign in it. And it was cheap. It's definitely worth checking out if you like this How game. How the heck do you make a campaign out of Jaipur? You've got different goals. You go around just try to complete different goals. And the 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 AI is good too. I I often lose. So I should learn how to play like the AI. Yeah. I think well, I remember playing this game with you and you're like, "Do you even know how to play this game?" <laughs> yeah, you were really bad at it. I'm not great. But that doesn't that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I rate this game an 8 out of 10. What about you? I'm giving it a 7.5. I like it. Yeah, it's good. I would recommend giving this game a try for anyone looking for a quick two-player game with lots of great strategy, not too heavy, not too complicated, beautiful, things like that. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. <laughs> that's Jaipur. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up the two-player games we've been playing. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are actually going to be talking about normal games. Normal games? <laughs> Non-two-player non, games? Non-two-player games. Three or four-player games? Yeah, non, non-two-player non games that play well at two. Yeah. So that'll be right after this break. All right. All right, welcome back. Next up, I want to talk about playing uh, two-player, two players, right, for games that aren't necessarily designed for two players. I really, really enjoy playing a lot of games two-player only. I think that you get the opportunity to plan a little bit better. You know, your spots don't get taken. It's not near as tight. I just like a lot of things that are designed for two to four players. I love them at two. Yeah, it's almost like they designed it originally for two. And it just, they're like, well, why can't it have more players? Yeah. You just said it opens things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it is. Yes is it opens things up, doesn't make things necessarily as tight. But there is a game in particular that I have on my list that I prefer to play at two. Yeah. That becomes more tense in this back and forth struggle with your opponent. Mm -hmm. And I like it specifically better at two than I would at multiple players. I like two-player games as well because they're quicker. You can play a really big, beefy game fast or even if you don't play it faster you're spending most of the time that you are playing the game playing instead of waiting for other people to play that's probably why i like these games better too to a, be lot honest. Of, a lot of times yeah 100 percent. they play not not faster but your turns come around quicker you're playing more yes overall like uh terraforming mars is my best example of that the game takes a lot longer at two because you still got to get through all those goals but it's like you and one other person are completing those goals. So you're playing a big, long game. You, you got time to develop more of a strategy and your engine is kind of building up and, and you get to kind of, you feel more accomplished. So you prefer set, uh, Terraforming Mars at two player? I love it at two. The Ares Expedition or regular? Both. But uh, I think the regular for sure. Ares Expedition doesn't matter quite as much. Yeah, because you're it's almost simultaneous play. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Still, it's longer. Like you end up, I think, with like a score around the fifties. Where it, like four player game, it's more of the twenty five thirties. Yeah, and you know, Aries Expedition, right? And I like to do more. Like I like to feel like I accomplished something, and I get that a lot with two. I agree. Games. Terraforming Mars is a good example of being playing really well at two. Do I prefer it at two though? Maybe not. I think maybe for me the sweet spot is three. Mm -hmm. But I have no hesitations to play it at two. It And like you said, yes, it's longer. It takes long. No, I don't think it's necessarily longer. Mm -hmm. I think it takes longer. You have more turns. You have more turns. Correct. I don't think the overall game length is longer at two player. 
but you definitely are able to do much more in the game, create a bigger engine because now it's only two people trying to achieve those three objectives. So the obvious one, another obvious one is Lahav. That one's so much better at two because you end up, you get so many turns through each round and the more players you have, the less you individually get as a turn. So it builds up more. Does that game play like five or six? Something ridiculous. It's, I, I've never played it that way, so I don't even know if it's, it just doesn't sound fun at all. I've played it at three, and it's fine. I love that game at two. Yeah. Playing, man, five or six? That seems... Yeah, like, you get one turn per How round. the heck are you even going to feed your people? Well, you don't need to feed them near as much. So this doesn't seem like very much fun. Like, the whole fun is, like, building it up like a giant pile of fish, you know? Yeah, I need to, I so need to get eight food. million fish. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. Caverna's another one. That plays up to, like, seven. Um, and in each player you add, it you change up the boards, so there are more spots for more players, but I still love it at two, just because there's less competition for those spots you want, so you're picking a spot, and then you're like, well, I definitely want this other spot, but if they take it, I can take the second spot. We're like four-player game by the time, you can't even think like that, but you gotta wait to see what people take. Well, then they have the cave versus cave. Would Which you... is a totally different game. You think so? Yeah, it's not even the same game. It's It's the same theme. But aside from, I've never actually played Cave vs. Cave. Yeah, it's a different style game. It's more uh, tiles and it's totally different. They just have the same theme and artwork and whatnot. Hmm. But two-player Caverna is is really, really good. Is it your preferred? Yeah, because it's quicker. May have only ever played it at two. I'm trying to think if I played it with multiple. I played it with a lot. I actually played it with probably six. Like the full complement of players? Yeah. So uh, I think another game that does really well at two and is my preferred in real life number is Grand Austria Hotel. Really? I will never, ever, ever play that game at four players in real life. I'll online, if you know, you can play it online. Cool, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't care because then I'm ne- I mean, it's turn based anyway. So it's not like I'm sitting there waiting to take a turn. Mm-hmm. But in real life, the um, amount of time in between, if you're a first player, you take your, the first action and the last action. The time in between there is rid- ridiculously long. Mm-hmm. So at two player, it's a nice clip. Like you're going back and forth. You know, even when that player has the two actions in a row, it's not that bad. Three player, I I would do it, but it's not my preferred way to play. Mm-hmm. I would much rather play at two player. You know what one I avoided playing two player for the longest time because I didn't think it was fun was space base. Because at two you don't hardly ever get to do your top actions near as much, right? When you play with four players, by the time it gets back to you, you've earned a couple coins at least because at least a few of your top actions trigger. In two-player, it's just back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. So your your main actions are equally as good as the top actions because you have equally good chance of rolling, your opponent rolling them or you rolling them. So I avoided playing that for the longest time thinking it wouldn't be fun, but I just finally got around to playing it because my daughter loves this game. And I was like, all right, fine, we'll play it too. And it was really, really fun because you focused, it was just a different, it was a totally different game. You focus more on on the bottom stuff, getting that good stuff. And, well, it, and it took longer. I, yeah, I would think Space Base would actually do pretty well at two because especially in the earlier rounds mm-hmm. when you don't really have a bunch of top stuff, Yeah, the, the buildup is different. Yeah. It's got to be, yeah, the buildup would just be a different, you rely more on yourself getting those coins instead of getting those top actions and it coming to, you know on your other people's turns getting coins on that way. It's it's a different style game and it's definitely worth playing. I was surprised how much I liked it. I might want to have to try. I 
I think I'm going to have to try it too because when I play like four player, I'm usually trying to get cards that let my opponents do my work for me. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. It's a different it's a different game. Changes it up and it's good. I like it. Yeah, it sounds like something good. One of the games that I prefer to and I I kind of talked a little bit about it in the beginning is Carcassonne. Yeah, yes. I agree with that one. I've played it at four, I think five even. I've played it at all these different player counts and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But what I love is two-player Carcassonne with the fields because there's this this back and forth about who's going to control which field, who's going to have the more meeples in that field, and it's just this nice back and forth that you have. Mm-hmm. I think if you play without the fields, it's a little less... You mean the farmers? Farmers, yeah. Oh, I never knew you could play without them. Well, the basic game, uh, the basic game you play without. Oh yeah, don't do that. Right, but that said, if you play Carcassonne without the farmers, is it's a very like leisurely kind of fun game. Mm-hmm. It's not, not, not it's, competitive. Yeah, it's not as the most of the competition happens when you're competing with your farmers in the fields. Mm-hmm. That's where most of that tension comes. But I really like. Uh, Carcassonne at two as well and I like getting out a couple of the expansions with it and just playing this giant big version of Carcassonne where it just gets wildly out of control because it's so big because you've got all the expansions in there and it's fun at two because you just it's just you and your opponent yeah my wife and I played a ton of Carcassonne and I got a bunch of the expansions that we just didn't care for Mm -hmm. we didn't like what it added like the dragon. I didn't like the dragon, the princess. Yeah. That was a pain. I the inns and cathedrals we liked because mm-hmm. it was it was basically more Carcassonne. You get a mega meeple and stuff like that, right? Yeah. The bag that we have that contains the Carcassonne tiles in it, we've never taken the the pieces print, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we just leave it and we just make a bigger and bigger. Just bigger, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fun. You get if, this ridiculous board when you're done. It feels like my own personalized Carcassonne game in some ways when mm-hmm. you just throw a bunch of tiles in, you play with some of the expansions, you don't play with some of the other expansions. But yeah. you got all the tiles in there so it's huge and, and you don't mind because it's just two players. Yeah, you're just back and forth and you're you're hoping you pull that one piece and we've played it enough that we have a general idea of what pieces are left. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I like too is because at two player, it can go pretty quick because you're just you're grabbing a tile, you're playing it and the, it gets to a point where you've played it enough times that you really need a specific piece and in your head you're like, okay, two of them have already been claimed. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's at least one or two left. Uh-huh. You know, I'm you hoping to get it, yeah. Yeah, but it that playing that game more at two player makes it better for me because now I can probably I have the probability of thinking, okay, there's so there's uh maybe like two tiles of this kind left or whatever i can kind of have a general idea mm-hmm. which i think makes it a little bit more fun for me yeah uh, another one that i would consider only a two-player game is dominion there are a couple cards in there that are better at higher player counts you know maybe attack cards because you it's more valuable you know the card in your hand because you could be attacked more times and cards that do things when other opponents do things mm-hmm. but there's like three or four of those cards in the whole you know i don't know it's probably not true probably there's like 10 or 20 in the 14 expansions but i love it two player quick back and forth done well when we played the allies expansion how many we played like three games of it and it took us like an hour maybe not even mm-hmm. yeah each game was probably the especially that first game because we could trash cards mm-hmm. we were done with that one in like 10 minutes yeah i love dominion at two i'll probably only play that at two 
I really like Castles of Burgundy at two. Do you? As well. It um I think part of it too is the longer turns in between at four. When yeah. you play four, it's a little long between turns, especially if you have somebody that's a little bit AP prone. Mm-hmm. I think two goes at a good clip. There's still enough tension with the tiles because the way they the way they set up the depots is yeah, two player, there's only two tiles in each depot and there's mm-hmm. less uh tiles to purchase in the center. So it it definitely just feels more back and forth between your opponent. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of those other ones, especially, you know, first player is still important, but at a higher player count, sometimes it's harder to get to that one, especially if you have somebody just drafting a bunch of boat tiles mm-hmm. and playing them. It becomes a little bit more difficult to achieve that. I really, I really like it at two. Same, so. same game, just quicker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I, I would like that too. I don't think I've played it at two, but I would definitely like it best at two if i did just because when when the game doesn't change and all it is is faster it's better at two <laughs> yeah when the tension remains exactly the same the turns are quicker you're mm-hmm. not yeah i agree i think that's part of the reason why grand austria hotel is a prime example i hate to give you an example i played it the last time i played it at four i was first player i got up this was that game night i got up i walked in the back had conversations with two or three people came back sat down and it still wasn't my turn yet oh my gosh yeah that's, that's how long it took i i said never again no mm-hmm. way i'm not doing it i even like a lot of worker placement games like stone age is another one that that doesn't change uh at two with one exception of the center pieces there the center spaces you can go to but yeah i still really like it at two it's quick it's fast you get to kind of play a little bit longer because now everyone's eating up all the cards and the tiles and whatnot i like it i don't know i think i like stone age at three the best two is fine mm-hmm. i think two is fine but me personally i think three is the good good number because the two spot the two of the inner spots are open each round mm-hmm. and so it creates a little bit more dynamic if you want to go there or purchase some of the cards so but i can definitely see how it would be good at two it's yeah i would agree with you it's just as good at three i think it's not better at two but it's a good one to play at two yes so another one like Imperial Settlers, Empires of the North, mm. I like at two, partly because there's there can be some interaction between cards. And at two player, it's it's easier to see your opponent's cards. If you have four players, it can be kind of difficult to see across the table what people are playing. Mm-hmm. Same thing like Everdell is a prime example. There's op- Sometimes there's open spots. I'm not saying I like Everdell at two, but there's open spots in people's tableaus that sometimes you don't know if you can go to yeah. without like staring. It's too much, yeah. Yeah. They do, one of the expansions had these little like uh, open signs, these little cardboard standees that were open signs oh, that you cute. could set on on them to let people know like, hey, you can come take the spot if you want. It's, but. That's nice. And I like that. But you also have to take the time to go around the board, the, uh, the, around the table and read all of them. Yeah. And that you just takes like, up more time. I don't like that. It's going to be one of those things that, what does that do again? What, is, what does that do again? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That slows the game down. Yeah. It sounds like we are fans of any game that doesn't, if it doesn't compromise gameplay by going down to two and it's faster, sign us up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> faster is always better in my book. I don't like waiting around. No, you don't. You get like this nervous energy when people are taking too long of turns. Like you can't, yeah, nervous energy. I don't want to say you're like pacing, but you're definitely like tapping your fingers on the table and uh-huh. doing the special. Like, Do you know it's your turn? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> Why, why are you thinking now? Yeah, why Why didn't you think about it, you know, a couple turns ago? Yeah, I have to mentally prepare. If I'm going to go into a long game, I have to mentally prepare myself. 
and sit back and just try to relax and not care. And then then I'm kind of out of it. And so then then it goes slower because nobody at the table is pushing people along. Oh, oh, whose turn is it? Like I'm I'm the person at the table who's like, all right, you're up. All right, you're up. You know, I'm paying attention, making sure everyone's taking their turns. And the only way for me to relax is is to not do that. It's not think about it. And then it goes even longer. So uh, I am reluctant to share this information, which I'm about to say, but I feel <laughs> like I need to. When I'm playing a game and I feel like somebody might be taking too long instead of being like, hey, just like take your turn. Sometimes I'll be like, whose turn is it anyway? Yeah, I think that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it specifically. It goes back and forth. There's times where I legitimately have no clue whose turn it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people are waiting on me. And there's other times where I, I know whose turn it is. And I'll be like, Who's, whose turn is it again? Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, I know. Can you? hurry it up you're politer than me me i'm like are you done with your turn or are you taking you know i go do you know it's your turn <laughs> you like, do yeah you do like you do love to do that that i still one of my favorite memories we was it at your house we played that game of scythe yes so we sit down we're playing with newer players and natasha has this like you can see she's getting frustrated with people not taking their turns or whatever and they're waiting until a person gets completely done and i think i may have taught that game and at one point I go, you know, just so you guys know, the rule book suggests that when uh, a person's doing their bottom action, you can start their turn. Uh-huh. And Natasha looked at me and had the biggest smile on her face like, <laughs> thank you. Somebody said it. That's when I was like, Bob is my best friend forever. <laughs> Loyal for life. <laughs> I got I got you, fam. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the hardest thing about playing two-player games is that you never want to break out in board game night into two groups of just two players it's hard yeah like why not why don't we play more bigger games at two we always get out our two-player games if we are playing just two of us but it's fun to play these big epic games at two i think so well there was a couple times where it just worked out that you and i ended up playing lahav yeah because there was six of us four wanted to play this one game and we're like well we'll just play lahav yeah and we been... had it with us that that worked out well yeah i was i was keeping it in my bag for there was probably a good like month where it was staying in my bag just because I wanted to get more plays of it because I was I was itching for more plays of that mm-hmm. particular game. But yeah, it's tough with two player games because you know this this whole this whole episode has been dedicated to two player games, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's unfortunate with just two player only games because they don't get as much love mm-hmm. because it's sometimes it's difficult. Like if you go to a consistent game night, it's unlikely you're bringing a two player game. Yeah. There are times where I will just because of what I suspect numbers might be in that particular night. Mm -hmm. I'll bring maybe a two-player game. But even then, it seems more likely that I'm going to play a four-player game at two than a just a regular two-player game. Yeah. The the two-player only games are a lot shorter. They're definitely... They're worth having and putting in your bag because if you show up late and you've got a friend that also showed up late and you're waiting for the group, that's perfect, you know? Yeah, play a couple rounds of Jaipur and be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like quick little games. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're quick. Like two player games are always quicker. And then when you've got a small two player game, they're really quick. So I think that's part of the reason they don't get a lot of love. Well, take some of these epic two player games. So Star Wars Rebellion, you know, War of the Ring. I love these games. Getting them played is such a hassle. That said, I mean, we re- I recently played Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, but how get, long did it take you to get it to the? Oh man, me and, Chris, me and Chris, yeah, me and Chris had talked about that game for a long time, and then we finally, I finally was like, dude, I'm willing to play it at a game night. 
but it was one of those things that I, I went into it with making the conscious decision that I'm going to our game night and I'm going to play a two-player game. Yeah, yeah, because you kind of think like, oh, we'll play a two-player game night a different day of the week. I'll do our game night with all of us, right? I think yeah. That's kind of how you plan. And then that just never happens, right? It just, yeah, it never it never like comes to pass or whatever. So every now and again, I'll a lot of the two-player games that I play is usually with my wife. Every now and again, I'll have a friend come over and we'll play some two-player stuff. Mm-hmm. And usually I'll be like, hey, I want to play some two-player things. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, it's, man, two-player games, trying to get them to the tables is more difficult than it should be. Yeah, you think two's the easiest, right? Surprisingly enough, so take those uh, Star Wars Rebellion, War of the Ring. One of the things that I want to try to organize is... I'm going to call it a tournament, but it's not really going to be a tournament where there's going to be four of us, two playing uh, one of the games, two playing the other game, and then we switch. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, we'll each have a copy of Star Wars Rebellion and we'll do like a little tournament. Whoever wins each table, then we'll play each other and the losers play each other or whatever. But even then, I'm going to be interacting with my opponent very rarely. Am I going to be interacting with the other two players? Right? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it kind of, you feel like your group was broken up. But I think this discussion has just like, reinforced how much i love two-player games and and i don't need to have a group together i can just get one other person together and have a great time yeah i agree i think one of the other things i mentioned in the beginning part of the episode is how the industry is self-correcting itself Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that has to do it's unfortunate that covid is what did it but covid is part of it where it the industry has taking has taken into account both solo gamers mm-hmm. and two-player games. Yeah. Making sure games play well at two. So something like a husband and wife or a father and son, a mother and daughter, husband and mm-hmm. you know dad and daughter, whatever, can sit down and play a game together and have it still work well and enjoy the same experience mm-hmm. than if they played it at four. Yeah. You know, same thing with like solo games. There's there's a big push for solo Solo modes in. I mean, almost all new games are coming out with a solo mode. It's crazy. It's it, almost, it didn't exist at it, all. It's almost one of those things that when I look at a box and it doesn't show one player on it, I wonder why. Yeah, why can't I play that one? Why didn't you? Why didn't you come up with a like some sort of autonoma or solo edition or mm-hmm. you, whatever? Mm-hmm. You know why? Why isn't that included in the game? You know. <laughs> but you can just hop on Board Game Geek, and there's I'm sure somebody's come up with it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to talk about... Would you rather... More would you rather game? Yeah. Would you rather part two? <laughs> okay. Uh, please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>